Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest, Andrew Brooks, with Smart Things. We talk all things smart home. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. My name is Michael Wolf, your host, and this is the Smart Home Show, Episode 5 with Smart Things. Andrew Brooks, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Smart Things. Good guy. I've had a chance to meet Andrew a couple times, met him at CES. And we talk about all things Smart Things. We talk about their platform. We talk about the DIY Smart Home market, the differences today versus yesteryear. Lots of other stuff. So if you're at all interested in smart things, which has gotten a lot of buzz around this, the DIY smart home space, take a listen. I also want to thank those who have been listening. I've been getting lots of positive feedback. Had an email. Had an email asking me the other day uh, what I think of the Kivo smart lock, what my experience has been because I've had that smart lock. I've been trying it out as I've talked about on the show. And overall, it's been pretty good. I think that the smart lock uh, experience has been fun. It's definitely a lot easier than pulling out physical keys. I would say the one improvement that I would definitely want is the Android app. I, I have to use the key fob right now because I'm primarily an Android user. And that's fine. That works just fine. Uh, key fob with the Bluetooth in it, it kind of senses when I'm outside and I touch the lock and it locks. But I think, uh, I think getting an Android app would be even better. And I think that they're definitely working on that from what I understand. The other piece of feedback I would give is sometimes because it is a touch-based lock where if you touch it on the outside, it, it knows to initiate an action. Lots of times actually just glance it with an elbow or just kind of swipe by with a hand and it, it locks um, or it unlocks. As I've locked it once and it unlock again. So overall, though, I think the Kivo Smart Lock is, is a great lock. Uh, works fairly well. I mean, this is a first a 1.0 product as well. I mean, this works really, really well for a product that's been out there not for that long. So I definitely suggest if, if you're interested in, in Bluetooth, direct connect smart locks, I think the Kivo is a good solution. Keep the, keep the questions coming. Just email me at thesmarthomeshow at gmail.com. You can also find the Smart Home Show at technology.fm, and you can contact me there as well. So if you want to subscribe to the Smart Home Show, I encourage that. Uh, leave a positive review if you feel good about the show. Go to technology.fm, look for the Smart Home Show, sign up in your favorite podcast listening app, uh, be it iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or, or other apps as well. Once again, thanks for listening. My name is Michael Wolf, and here's my conversation with Andrew Brooks. Hey, well, I want to welcome Andrew Brooks. So tell us a little bit about Smart Things. Smart Things is uh, the easiest way to turn your home into a smart home. So we are uh, a combination of a uh, what we call a Smart Things hub, which is think of it as a babblefish for your home. It speaks a bunch of languages and can connect to a bunch of different uh, smart devices in your house. 
a series of sensors that you deploy around your house, uh, things like open closed sensors for your doors or your garage door, uh, smart locks, uh, smart thermostats, uh, a, a cloud-based environment, so a, an environment where uh, we can run a lot of logic and put a lot of intelligence into these devices in your home, and then finally, a mobile application that customers use to interact with their home, see what's going on, have a remote control for their home, set up various rules uh, so that things happen around them. Uh, and all of that is tied to using these types of technologies, these smart home technologies, to deliver what we believe is a, is a more secure uh, a, a home, a more secure home, a home that gives you more peace of mind, a home that can give you savings, and then ultimately a ho- home that's more convenient and uh, and fun. Tell us about the typical user of a uh, smart things. Is it uh, a new enthusiast around smart home technology, or are you getting people who've been in in home automation and smart home for a while? You know, it's it's a little bit of both, uh, and and we would expect it to continue to be a little bit of both. Certainly, we have uh, enthusiasts who have been in the smart home space for some time, folks who have used uh, previous technologies like X10 uh, or Insteon, who are uh, ready for what what we perceive to be the real mainstream uh, availability and readiness of these technologies, where they're dependable. Uh, they're energy efficient. The battery power uh, lasts. The, the connectivity is strong. So you certainly have a set of users who have who have grown up and cut their teeth and skinned their elbows on some of the previous technologies and are are ready for the stability and the capabilities uh, and the cloud first and mobile first approach of a of a of a company like SmartThings. Uh, and then you also have a number of individuals who are first-time connected home or smart home users who are looking to solve one problem, who are looking at their mobile phone and saying, I have this smartphone in my hand. I can do all my banking and uh, you know, uh, I, I know what my neighbor's child had for breakfast courtesy of Facebook and Twitter, um, and yet – I don't know if my front door is open or closed, and I don't know if my uh, if I turned off the outlet that the uh, the curling iron is connected to, and so they they've come to the point where they realize, wow, you know, I, I can do all of these things. I have this perfect remote control in my hand. Why is my home disconnected from that? And we we see both those types of of, of users and customers embracing the smart things technology. Go over the smart things devices and and what do I get out of the box and what are kind of the key components of a system? Yeah. So we, we start customers down the path in a couple of different ways. The most popular ways that a customer gets started with smart things is one of, one of two kits that we offer. We offer a kit called the smart things, know and control kit and the smart things, know your home kit. Uh, and if we take the smart things, know and control your home kit, uh, in that kit, you'll find, and that retails for $299. You'll find a smart things hub. Again, this, this, uh, this babble fish or this connecting, uh, looks like a little router, uh, and it can talk to all the different sensors in your house. Um, so it comes with a SmartThings hub, and then it comes with a set of devices that include a motion sensor, a couple of what we call SmartSense multi-sensors, which can act as 
contact sensors for doors to know if a door is open or closed. Uh, but they also have a, a little accelerometer in, in them. So it knows uh, if you put it on a garage door, it knows if the garage door is open or closed or in, in the act of opening or closing. You can stick it on a washing machine and based on vibration, it knows when the wash is done. They also have temperature sensors in them so that we can use them to control temperature better in your home. So a motion sensor, a couple of those smart sense uh, multi-sensors, two what we call smart sense presence sensors, which are little, um, look like little key fobs, and you can stick them in kids' backpacks or on a keychain uh, or around a pet and know if that uh, car or kid's backpack or pet is, uh, is in the house or away from the house. And then lastly, a controllable outlet, uh, which typically is, uh, provides both control as well as metering of power consumption. So it's an easy way to start controlling lights or appliances in your home without having to uh, replace switches or replace bulbs. A lot of people, when they're getting into smart home, they, they're, they're trying to figure out things like Z-Wave, Zigbee, and all these communication protocols. Talk a little bit about what your systems work with and what, is, what are the protocols that you interact with? Yeah, sounds good. I think philosophically, we believe that consumers shouldn't care about protocols, right? They, they just expect a device to work. Uh, it should work well. It should connect easily. It should have good range. It should have good battery power. And to the extent that um, uh, uh, that's possible, uh, then, then what the underlying protocol is and, and, and whether or not it's on this frequency or that shouldn't matter. That said, in our, um, uh, there are a, a couple of established protocols that, have, uh, that are either established with a significant number of devices that work on that protocol uh, or a growing number of devices that work on that protocol. So we do support Z-Wave, uh, which has uh, nearly a 1,000 certified devices in the United States, ranging from, um, you know, again, contact sensors and motion sensors, traditional security devices through uh, connected water um, you know, water sensors and water plant irrigation systems and shades and, and you name it. We also support Zigbee. Um, Zigbee is an emerging standard that is, has a slightly better range than Z-Wave. Uh, they are both mesh networking technologies, which means you can add to them and they'll extend out across your home. Um, and, uh, and, and we really like Zigbee. And in fact, the devices we manufacture are Zigbee-based for those reasons. Uh, but we also, through uh, our hub, because our hub does sit on your local network, we can talk to other devices that are already on your local network. So if you had a, uh, a Sonos system, as an example, and wanted to get alerts uh, or play music when somebody came home or, or get an alert that there was moisture in your basement over your Sonos system, we can do that uh, over your local network, what we call LAN connection. Uh, and then lastly, we have a number of what we consider cloud-to-cloud -cloud connections. So from the SmartThings cloud, we can connect back to a range of devices that, uh, that might expose uh, capabilities via their own cloud. An example of that might be uh, a Jawbone Up 24, which is a pedometer and sleep sensor, such that if you wanted to uh, have SmartThings trigger your home to wake up in the morning, when you wake up, uh, we can get that information from the Jawbone cloud and then and then communicate that down to your home. 
So all four of those, Zigbee, Z-Wave, local LAN-connected devices, and, and cloud-to-cloud connections give us a, a really broad range of devices that we can t- connect to. And from the user experience standpoint, uh, you don't care if the lock is connected via Z-Wave or connected via cloud-to-cloud. Uh, as long as it's secure, as long as the lock works when you get home, locks when you leave, unlocks when you arrive, uh, th- that makes the experience valuable for you. I've been uh, toying and playing with the SmartThings system in my house, and, and I'm using both the, the iPhone and the Android app. And so I've noticed that there's a lot of apps to control the different sensors in the network. So talk a little bit about the app experience and your approach to creating uh, app functionality that does different things around the system. Yeah. So so the SmartThings, um, the SmartThings environment is set up with two different – uh, uh, constructs. So we, we think in the, in, in the terms of what we call things, these are connected devices. And, uh, and we have an entire layer of our technology that knows how to connect to a lock or to a thermostat or to a motion sensor uh, or to a Sonos system. Each one of those has what we call a device type handler, but basically it's a, a, some code that says, this is what this device is, this is what it does, this is how it can interact with smart things. These are the types of uh, information or data you should expect to come up from it. So for a motion sensor, you should expect motion events and not motion events. Uh, and these are the type of commands it will accept. So, so on, a, on a controllable outlet or a light or a switch, it, it'll, it'll accept an on command and an off command and maybe a dim command. So we, we think of these devices or things, and then we have a layer that we call smart apps. And smart apps are our bits of logic that, uh, that take the events that come off these devices, the pieces of information that, th- that come off these devices, and the instructions around control and put logic around them to make your life better. So that might be a really simple uh, piece of logic like uh, if there's motion – uh, and it's after uh, sunset, turn on a light. Uh, that's a very simple smart app. But they can also be relatively complex smart apps. So they can be things like uh, track the uh, all of the different temperatures from around my house, track motion, uh, map that over time, and recommend the best possible setting for my thermostat uh, based on that information and that insight. All of those fall into this this category of of what's called smart apps. And so uh, when we first launched SmartThings, we released an experience that had uh, customers exposed to those devices, those things, and then a portfolio of these, a catalog of these smart apps by different categories that would add additional value to your life. So smart apps for convenience, like turning on a light when there's motion, smart apps for uh, energy savings, uh, like turning off outlets uh, after a certain period of time or uh, uh, managing a space heater to, to hit a certain temperature but not go above and not leave it on too long. And what we did is we launched with that experience and then we watched very closely how uh, our earliest customers were combining devices, these things, and these, these pieces of logic, these, this, these smart apps to make their lives better. We, we looked at what the most popular use cases were, and then we put an entire new layer that launched in December of last year, December of 2013, on top of the SmartThings experience, what, which we call uh, solution dashboards. And what these are, the most popular use cases 
exposed in a way that is very logical, very easy for the average consumer to understand. So that it starts with something you already understand in your home, like a door, and then says, well, what do you want to do with that door? Do you want to know if it's open or closed? Do you want to get a reminder if it's left open too long? Do you want to lock it up when you leave or unlock it when you arrive? And it looks at those most common use cases and then says, do you have the device, the thing, do you have the sensor or the controllable lock needed uh, to, to achieve that outcome? If so, we'll set it up for you. If not, we'll direct you to our shop where you can buy those devices uh, and have them shipped directly to you. And that's been a, a, a big step forward in enabling um, you know, every user from the, uh, you know, the, the most passionate early user of home automation technologies all the way through that just getting started person who, who wants a small benefit in their life to realize that benefit very, very quickly. And our investments are around continuing to focus energy on making that as simple as possible, making discovery of that as easy as possible across both iOS and Android, um, and, uh, and, and then expanding on that in ways that, uh, that, that make homes smarter and smarter, make them more secure, give people more peace of mind, give people more savings. Before is a device-centric lens that people were looking at smart things, and uh, they would know they had a door sensor, and then they'd have to kind of search for the app. But but what I'm hearing is you guys have now saying said, well, people have these things that are use cases, like scenarios around security or scenarios around arrival of a family, and you're basically kind of guiding them through setting everything up within the smart things to kind of to do the most popular types of use cases. That's that's exactly right. So our our focus is around um, people think in a few different ways. They think around events in their life, like you just described. Uh, I left for the morning and went to work. I came home from work. Uh, I went to bed. I woke up in the morning. So they think about kind of arc of the day events in their life. And then they think about objects in their life. They think about the door, their front door, their garage door. You know, when they, uh, when, 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 when you leave a garage door open, you think, gosh, I can't believe I left the garage door open. I wish I hadn't done that. And so our focus in the application is around mapping setup and in-life use to both those events, that arc of the day events. What do you want to have happen when you wake up? What do you want to have happen when you go to work? What do you want to have happen when it's movie time uh, on Friday night and you're with the family? Uh, as well as then guiding people to think in the, in the objects that matter to them in their life, that garage door, uh, that uh, washing machine that they don't want to have flood again, uh, the lighting in their kitchen, uh, which are very real and very tangible and yes, they're enabled through these connected sensors and connected devices, but the object object itself is is what the consumer experiences and how they think about it. Talk about your developers because I I think that you have like five thousand or so today, and and so what are these guys out there doing? Or five thousand that are writing to at some level to smart things that aren't working for for the company in, in the sense that they're employees, but they're working to write apps that work with smart things. What are these guys doing? What types of apps are they creating? Yeah, that's it's a great question. One of the second big components of what we've done with smart things is that we are an open platform. And what that means is uh, device makers, developers, uh, and all the way through businesses 
can 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 write to work with uh, the Smart Things platform. The the five thousand developers that we have out there uh, really break down into two different camps. They're either connecting Smart Things to new devices, so they're writing more of those that that device layer, that thing layer that I, I talked about earlier, um, and that might mean that um, uh, you know somebody out there in the community says. I really want smart things to work with my withings scale, or I really want smart things uh, to work with uh, with my that jawbone up twenty four uh, pedometer. And are these uh, hacker and on and on. are these hacker types? Are they actually maybe someone working for the company? In, in both, in, in both, in, in, absolutely, both okay. cases. And uh, and and because the, if you're if you're um, you know, taking just taking that jawbone uh, example to the logical conclusion, uh, all they need to do is say, "Hey, we want jawbone to be able to work with smart things, so that people will buy more jawbones." Uh, and then you can decide what you want to do on the smart things platform uh, with that. So it certainly is both, um, and so and we're seeing just a rapid acceleration in the pace of new devices being connected to the platform as a result uh, in in the last couple of weeks. Uh, third parties have submitted connections to a number of the different quirky devices from General Electric to a, a, a bunch of different wearables uh, just because they're so popular, a few different new lighting capabilities. Uh, and and we, we continue to expect that, that pace to accelerate. So that's one thing our developers do. The second big thing our developers do is uh, is is build smart apps, build logic, uh, and and build new ways that they want their home to uh, to work around them. If you want uh, if you want a smart app that says, "I want I only want to turn lights on uh, when it's uh, after dark and there's motion and uh, and there's uh, uh, and the weather is this," uh, that may not be something that we build or expose natively in the in the application ourselves. But there's this whole group of of developers who have this passion for coding and building to the physical world. They really want to code to the physical world uh, and and see their code manifest in the physical world. And we're embracing that and we'll continue to look at ways that we can um, you know, take uh, that enthusiastic developer ecosystem and help them think about is there monetization opportunities, how how can we bring that into the core product, et cetera? And at the same time, encourage uh, potentially more playful integrations. There's a there's a game called Minecraft that uh, some of your listeners may be familiar with. Um, and people have built smart things blocks in Minecraft where uh, if you touch a block in, in your game of Minecraft, it manifests uh, an action in the physical world around you and vice versa. And, and we want to encourage that creativity uh, and that passion because it's definitely core to, to where we think some of the most creative and, and, and unexpected but ultimately very valuable use cases will come from. We'll have to make sure my son doesn't hear this because he's a huge Minecraft guy and he'll probably start tweaking my smart thing system at this point with Minecraft. So. I have uh, I've forbidden my son from connecting it to his sister's room so that he doesn't play those games for exactly that reason. Could you compare smart things with some of the other DIY systems out there and you know what is your what are your differentiators that people are deciding between a couple systems? Yeah, it's a great question and and uh you know I think it's it's a great time to be in this industry as as evidenced by um, you know, commercial branded offerings like Lowe's Iris and, uh, and the Staples Connect offering, uh, other um, platform innovations uh, or, or hub innovations like Revolve. I think we take a 
um, we, we take a few different uh, approaches differently and, and believe that these are core to the differentiation for, for smart things. Number one is going to be the fact that we're an open platform. Uh, none of the other platforms have that pace of innovation. And so if you have some device that you're passionate about and you want to see it connected up to smart things, it's going to happen at a pace that uh, that none of our, our competitors can match to um, and and that's 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 one difference I think probably at, at the at the most critical baseline is uh, versus some of the other ones is this we have this deep belief in um, how do you make it really really easy for the home to react around you um, but with really valuable use cases. So automation for automation's sake doesn't really, uh, you know, doesn't add a lot of value. Um, you know, turning on, uh, turning on uh, a light in response to, uh, you know, tapping on a, on a, on a table might be fun, but it's just that it's fun. It's not really uh, adding deep, deep value to your life. And so our focus is around how do you get customers how do you make it as easy as possible for customers to feel more secure, to have more peace of mind, to uh, to have savings uh, and more efficiency in their life? Um, and how do you do that in a way that that matches to this concept of of the events of the day uh, and and the objects that exist around me? And I think that's a little different than some of the other folks. Uh, who are still a little more focused on how do you connect devices and what are very simple rules that you uh, that you can add to those devices to make them do uh, different things. Um, you know that said, I we, you know we're, we're we're big fans of what uh, Lowe's is doing in the market to drive device compatibility and the breadth of devices that uh, because they work with Lowe's will also work with smart things. Uh, we're certainly big fans of uh, of what. Uh, um, uh, you know, Staples is doing with respect to just generating consumer awareness, but we think smart things is the easiest way to get that real, real tangible value. Uh, and then once you've achieved that is the only game in town, uh, when you're dealing with an open platform that that's going to really spurn innovation. And you guys uh, are available today on your website and Amazon. Is that where the main place people can buy your product? That's right. So you can go to shop.smartthings.com, uh, and you can also go to uh, the Amazon Home Automation Store uh, and Smart Things available in both, uh, and, that, and that's it today. Andrew, how would you define the smart home? So we think a smart home is a home that makes you feel more secure, and what that means is not necessarily the traditional $44.95 a month uh, monitored security offering that exists in the market, that for the vast majority of uh, users – who have the perfect interface in their home and their mobile device, uh, that security comes from awareness, it comes from knowledge, it comes from, from insight and data, and it comes from a home that, uh, that, that uh, does intelligent things around them, like locking up and reminding you if you left that garage open uh, and turning on lights at night to make it look like somebody's home. So a smart home makes you feel more secure. Uh, it gives you a lot more peace of mind as it relates to the comings and goings of loved ones, the uh, uh, the you know damages and dangers like leaks or floods or carbon monoxide or access to to dangerous or valuable items. Uh, so it gives you more peace of mind, uh, and then it gives you the opportunity to have more savings and be more efficient uh, by turning off lights and and setting down your thermostat when you leave without you having to think about programming schedules uh, and capabilities like that. Once you've done a great job of delivering against those, the smart home uh, is really about your personal life, putting your own personality and your own intelligence into the home, um, be it, uh, be it uh, 
you know, be it uh, how I manage and interact with my pet through how do I help my aging in place parent to, to stay home a little bit longer to how do I make sure my kids are interacting with the home in the best possible way. All of that combines to make what, uh, what a real smart home is. How's the world changed since like the home automation era of the 90s, 80s and 90s to the smart home? What, what's the difference between that 1.0 version and, and now? Uh, I think it's a few things. Number one is uh, companies that are growing up now like smart things are mobile first. We're not encumbered by an infrastructure that is uh, that is thick and heavy and installed into the house. We're not encumbered by uh, you know a heavy installer costs where to change a simple rule uh, around how you want uh, device A to, beha- to behave in response to event B requires you putting a phone call in and somebody who knows how to to write code comes to your house and uh, uh, you know encodes something into a server that's stuck in a closet. So mobile first is a big difference, and cloud first is a big difference. Uh, where uh, you can you, you just have a, a much better opportunity for consumers to set up, personalize, uh, and focus on what matters most to them. Uh, I think also you're just seeing such a um, a, a massive explosion of device, connected devices. Radios are in the couple of bucks now. There's no excuse for a new device to not be connected. Uh, and as a result, the number of, of creative use cases and ways that you can touch people's lives positively is expanding, and it's getting less and less expensive. Hey, well, Andrew Brooks, I want to thank you for taking time. This has been great, and I've learned a lot about smart things, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time and uh, look forward to talking again soon. I hope you like that. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrew. I did. I learned a lot more about smart things that I didn't already know and got caught up with what they're doing over there. So, hey, if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe. Go to technology.fm. Look for the Smart Home Show. You'll find where to subscribe in iTunes, find where to subscribe in Stitcher and RSS, and we'll keep them coming on a regular basis. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. My name is Michael Wolf, and we'll talk to you on the next Smart Home Show.